0: your word. And I pray in the name of Jesus that we study it with vigor. We study it with an open heart and an open mind. And Lord God, a fertile spirit, plant your word in our hearts that it may produce fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Somebody give a hand clap of praise and welcome everybody else (laughs) online. So glad to be in the house of the Lord today. I'm super excited. Uh, We're coming towards the end, and I'm excited for the teachers that are going to be coming forth. And soon we'll have a teacher's meeting and a lot of good things happening in the month of September. And we're being really, really busy with the end of a sermon series. And um, eventually we'll start another one. We're going to do some other things right now that that I feel the Lord is leading us toward. Starting in the book of Genesis, chapter 45. Everybody say 45. 45. (laughs) Can you believe that you've gone through 45 chapters of Genesis? 45 chapters. And hopefully you've been taking these home and studying these and doing a little bit of research for yourself. These are meant specifically to try to pique your interest, to make you study so that you will be enriched by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. And we realized that last week we left Joseph after testing his brothers and Reuben offering to give himself up. Um, because of the things that they had done and confessing the things that they, would do, they had done. And now it is time for Joseph to reveal himself. So let's start in Genesis chapter 45, starting at verse 1. Genesis 45, verse 1. Media team, if, if they can't hear me or there's a sound issue, you're welcome to come up and tell me. I think we're going, doing good so far. I don't see anybody moving or shaking heads. So there we go. Let's read. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed in his presence. We're going to stop right there. We're going to stop right there because the first question is there to ask. This man's been playing games with you this entire time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you sold him in the savior. He's been toying with you. He's thrown one of your brothers into prison and, and, and waiting on the other one. And what's the first thing? And that's the question. Joseph's brothers were terrified at the thought of realizing who he was. What do you think is going through their minds right now? What is he, what is he going to do to us? In other words, the first thing I would think is he playing with us just like a mouse on a trap. Like uh, he, he letting us go, sending us back and doing all these things. He's been plotting on us. Oh, God, what is he going to do to us? And so the word that they use for dismay really means speechless. There is uh, some Jewish uh, tradition uh, that says that their souls left their bodies and came back in. I guess that's a euphemism. In other words, they were so shocked. <laughs> at what had happened. We thought we had sold you to slavery. We thought you were dead. And you mean to tell me that we're bowing down to this person? All those things are running through their mind. You said these sheaves would bow down to you. We've been bowing down to you. You have the power, power to kill us and you haven't killed us yet. So I'm wondering... What's going to happen? Just because somebody crying doesn't mean sometimes when people start to cry, you really need to start to run. It doesn't necessarily mean they're always sad. That may mean they're on on the verge of a breakdown. So we see this. Let's see what Joseph says. Let's go a little further. Verse four. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. Why do you think he had to say come near to me? because they're not going anywhere (laughs) they're not going anywhere near him they're like oh my god this is my brother I sold into slavery and I know he heard us talking about killing him uh come here come on over no that's okay It's, it's good over here I like this side of the room come near to me please and they wept Came near and he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt and now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me here to preserve before you to preserve life. Now stop. And that's our second question. and We've got about four questions lined up off of that that we can think about. He says, then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me here before you to preserve life. Question A. Can somebody read what question A says? What? Character. Oh, very good. So, what does this statement reveal about Joseph's character? He has the opportunity to kill those people who have done him wrong, but yet, the net he tells them not to be afraid. What did that tell, tell you about his character? He's got a good heart, right? He's he's humbled himself. This isn't the little boy who was like, y'all gonna be bowing down to me and that's what my dream means. And I'm gonna tell daddy y'all goofing off in the fields and and all that. This is a different type of person. He has matured. And we see that God has placed some things on him. God has given him some maturity. and, and, And sometimes we don't realize that some of the reason that we don't get ahead is not because the man is holding us back. It's because we're holding ourselves back, <laughs> that God does withhold some blessings from us because we are not mature enough to handle those blessings, that he waits until power. God's not going to give somebody power that would abuse that power. power. You know when you're ready for power, when somebody has done something wrong to you and you have the ability to wreck their day and you do them good anyway that you show mercy and kindness. Those who want power to use it generally don't need power. Well, prove it to me in the Bible, I sure will. Go to Psalms chapter 105, verse 17 through 19. Psalms 105, I didn't give that to him in the back. Psalms 105, verse 17 and 19. Joseph is in the Psalms, did you know that? Joe, you, you find Joseph in the Psalms. I'm not just making this up out of thin air, this is in the Bible, you know if I give it to you, it's in the Bible, amen? What does it say? He had sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Verse 18, his feet were hurt with fetters. His neck was put in a collar of iron. Verse 19, until what he had said came to pass, the Lord God tested him. In other words, if you read the original translation of this, what it's saying is it wasn't that God was testing him because he didn't know what he was doing. It's just like if you, you put a piece of iron in the fire and you smell some iron and you like they do on those, those uh, you know, where they take all the metal and they put it together, forged by fire. And then all of a sudden you're forged by fire, but I'm going to see, can you make these tests? I want you to cut this wood. I want you to cut this. Why am I doing that? I'm making, I'm putting you in adverse situations because I need to see, are you going to crack under? pressure I need to see the integrity of the blade I need you to know what the integrity of the blade is and iron sharpens what iron so what psalms is saying is god allowed joseph to be put in the chains because god was working something in him and all those things that were happening to him that were negative all those things that seemed to be like he was always having a bad day it got from went from bad to worse sold you you might have been annoying but nobody's annoying enough to be sold into slavery then you do the right thing and, and you get accused of rape And after that, you help somebody and they forget you, and all these things are happening. And many people have the question, if God is so good, why why are all these bad things happening to me? How many have ever asked that question? Why are all these things happening to me if God is so good? Well, God by nature is good. He does not change. God in his nature is good, but how many of you know God can use anything he wants in the world to accomplish his purpose? When he got ready to test Job and to bless Job, Satan had to come at his beck and call and say, come here. Have you considered my servant, Joe, even when Ahab wasn't doing what he was supposed to, you're reading the Bible that the Lord said, I will send a, what a lying spirit. And I will give it to, I will give it and send it to Ahab. And I'll give him the wrong information. In other words, even when it's evil, everything is subject to who? God. God might not be evil, but everything in the earth is His. The earth is the the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything that dwells therein. Now, I know some says that the earth is the the heavens of the Lord's, but the earth He's given to the children of men. But God is dominant over all things and he can make every situation in your life work together for good. That means sometimes bad things are going to happen, but maybe sometimes instead of cursing the bad things that happen, maybe we should see how we can grow as a person from that adversity. We live in a culture in a day of people who don't want adversity. We want people to tell us we can live our best life now, and that everybody's mean to you, and that God's going to get that mean old person, and you're going to come out on top like a sitcom, but sometimes you're going to be in some situations where it seems hard, and it seems tough, and you're going to cry to God to save me, and he's not going to save you, because his purpose is bigger than your pain. Oh, Jesus. Can so we been mature enough Christians to realize that sometimes God's ultimate purpose and eternal purpose is more important than our temporary pain? For he said, you didn't send me here. Who did he say sent me here? God sent me here. But he used you to do it. We give Judas such a hard rap. Do you not know if there wasn't a Judas? Jesus couldn't have got to the cross. You need to thank God for some of your enemies because some of those doors they had closed in your face, it was simply God allowing them to do that so he would direct you around places and doors that he did not want you to go in. Sometimes when it looks like the enemy is winning, God is ultimately behind the scenes and he's sovereign and he's allowing certain things to happen. Satan may go so far, but God has him on a leash. That sometimes when adversity hits our life, it's not a time for it to make us bitter, we should look at Lord, how would this make me what better? you'll know the sign of true maturity in your Christian walk when you're not always coming, looking for the for what I call the blessing sermons, that we coming out what I put on the devil's head and today is my season. But when you start to say things like the old season saints where I was from used to say, Lord don't move my mountain, but give me the strength to climb. And Lord don't take away my stumbling block, just lead me all around. Can I be honest with you? I thought that was the dumbest song in the world. Why? Because I read the Bible and it said, that if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you could speak to this mountain, say, be removed and be cast in the sea. So why would I not just say, hey, mountain, be moved? Uh, but if I just follow that reasoning and that logic, then I'm frustrated when I say, Lord, move the mountain and he doesn't. Because sometimes he doesn't leave the mountain. Because if you don't climb a few mountains, your legs won't be ready for the journey. I hate the stair machine at Planet Fitness. I, the other day I was talking to a friend. I had to stop three times on that stair machine. But the reason I was talking to him is because I got a witness and they'll know I quit. So I got to keep him on the phone. And I was stop for a second. I could barely breathe, Brother Dave. I was about to pass out. I got to the point where I couldn't make it anymore. But I stopped, got myself together, and I went again and I hit the start button again. And I started talking and all of a sudden my heart started... I was like, okay, I got to stop again. I'm going to pass out. I stopped for a second, for about 30 seconds. And you know what I did? I kept going. And most people say, that's insane. Why won't you stop? Because the next day I got on and put on the same level. And guess what I did, Victor? I walked and didn't have a problem at all. That if you're going to conquer something, you have to get through some tough things in your life and realize that although you're going through tough things, God is working something out in, your, in you. Count it all joy when you fall into diversity. Temptations. What what is James saying? When you're falling into all sorts of situations that don't seem fair. Why? Because it's producing something. And now it's character. That's it. He's producing character. And you won't get much further than your character. You may try to run ahead of your character. And you may get uh, 10 steps ahead of where your character should take you. But eventually your character is going to put you right back to where you started. You cannot outrun who you are. You can fake me, you can fake other people, but God's not going to put you up, like Psalm 105, 17 says through 19, until it's what? Time. So not only what does this statement reveal about Joseph's character, but what somebody read what B says. 2B. What does 2B say? What does it tell us about the providence and the sovereignty of God? That's a good question. What does it tell us about the providence and the sovereignty of God? <laughs> Everything is within his time. In other words, he has an overarching theme and an overarching time. Nothing happens unless the Lord what allows it. Now, he doesn't will. He doesn't want everything to happen. It's God's will that no man should perish. But people perish because he's given us some free will. I'm going to give you this quote. This quote is from C.H. Charles, uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. It comes from uh, the Spurgeon's uh, verse exposition of the Bible. And it says this how wonderfully those two things meet in practical harmony the free will of man, and the predestination of God. Man acts just as freely and just as guilty as if there were no predestination whatsoever, and God ordains, arranges, supervises, and overrules just as accurately as if there were no free will in the universe. (laughs) In other words, God says, hey Jonah, yes Jonah, yes God, I need you to go to Nineveh. "Uh Uh-huh, I'm not going to Nineveh, God. You're not going? Mm-mm, I'm not going to Nineveh. These Ninevites deserve to die. They're filthy people. Matter of fact, I'm gonna get on a boat and I'm gonna go in another uh, direction because my will doesn't want to go to Nineveh, God. God says, that's fine, go ahead. He lets Jonah go down in the belly of the ship. He goes down in the belly of the Jonah's doing what he wants to do. But all of a sudden, the water gets a little choppy. <laughs> all of a sudden, storms start to rise. <laughs> And they start throwing stuff over the boat. And Jonah sleep, but all of a sudden it gets so rocky that they start praying to whatever God. And they said, our God's aren't working. Let's wake this fellow up. You, do you know what's happening? Can you pray to our God? And, and all of a sudden, Jonah says, you know what? My will was headed the other way, and God let me have my way. But he's making this way rocky. He said, I'm the problem. Throw me overboard. And God prepares the fish and said, can you hear me now? Yeah. Jonah, I need you to go to Nimble. <laughs> and since you jumped overboard and now you're willing to do it since I made the way a little rocket for you I'll prepare you a first-class ride ain't nobody riding this fish but you Jonah for three days in the belly of a fish Now people will say that's prepared. God prepared this fish. In other words, this fish was made just for this occasion for Jonah, that sometimes we will let, our will take us wherever we want. But at the end of the day, let us not forget that the Lord is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. You can do whatever you, you big and bad enough and bold enough and want to do. But if God wants you to do something, you're going to do it willingly. Eventually, let me tell you something. God wants worship of everyone. He wants everybody to worship him, but there are some people that will live and die and never while there on this earth, worship the Lord our God. But guess what? The Bible says that one day when we're all risen at the name of Jesus, every knee still will bow, (laughs) every tongue still will confess in heaven and in earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. So why you think you have your free will? You, you have choices to make, but once sooner or later, you only have what God allows. This is all about the promise seed, remember that? God wants this seed to come down through 42 generations past David. He wants it to get down to David's generation and that's going to happen. And regardless of the decisions of man, we are not going to thwart God's plan. Do you know if God's hand is on your life, you can run all you want. You can live as bad as you want. You can do all the things you wanna do. And guess what? At the end of the day, God's gonna wait till you get tired and say, uh, can I help you now? That's it. That's it. I I often tell people this story. I often use this for people in leadership. I say, what's the best way to convince somebody that they don't want something? To give it to them. There was a... that was that was a man and god rest his soul he was a good man i'm not gonna call his name but he was a man that i loved and we were doing some work at the church one day and at that church we went to the home depot to get a jackhammer and the lady said that hey you can have this jackhammer but i'm gonna give you this bit but that bit's not gonna work for what you need to do you need to use this bit right here and i said okay i'll use this bit right here no problem so we get there and all the guys are working there we're gonna do some community service bust up some bricks and do some things he runs over there he grabs it, he said this is what i do for work i said okay but before before you do that he said i don't need no help i got this but i said the bit he said well this is the bit you need and this is what you do and my, and my friend leotis who said, but will it and you i said leotis <laughs> and he said again he said but will it the lady i said leotis i said go ahead go right ahead and he sat there with that jackhammer, and he jacked himself and put him near to death, and he's shutting up for 30 or 50 and 30 or 40 minutes, and when he finishes shaking and working out his own free will of what he knew how to do, he's about to pass out. I said, would you like some water? He said, I think I would. <laughs> I'm tired. I said, uh, since, since you are tired, would you mind me doing that for you for a little while? He said, go ahead, go ahead, this is a little tough. I said, okay. I walked over, I changed a bit went to work and was through in five minutes. But I couldn't tell him, God bless him, great man, that he was wrong. Sometimes what God can't tell you, life has to teach you. And life, yeah, life has taught Joseph and it has changed some things in Joseph and his character has been shifted. So now he recognizes that what's happening to me isn't even for me. It's not about me getting back in my brothers. He said, God allowed this to happen. Why did he allow this to happen? We just read it. He said, God sent me before you to preserve life. He doesn't know how prophetic that is because he needs to preserve at least the life of Judah because Judah is carrying the promised seed and he is the covenant of God. So what he's saying is, God allowed me to go through all this stuff for somebody else. Or I pray for a church that's not so self-centered that they think that everything they're going through has something to do with them. Some of the things you suffered in your life were unfair. God did not want them to happen, but they happened to you. And now he can utilize those things for his glory so that when you were strong enough to make it through, when somebody else who's too weak to make it through, those who that same thing, you can pull them by the hand and say, I made it. And with Jesus, you can make it. Some things in life you went through. God is using you to bless other people. Our lives and things are bigger than us. Number C, it says, how does this change how we pray to God concerning our own situations? Thank you for state Thank you, God, for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you how. I want you all to pay attention to a pronoun. This is how we teach little children to pray. And although we change it and the the form metamorphs over time, metamorphizes or whatever the word is, um, we teach them this way. Do you hear a recurring theme? Now I lay me, me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to keep what do you, what's the reoccurring thing? Me, myself, and I. How many times have you laid down on the side of the bed to get ready for prayer, pray for everything that you wanted God to do in your life, and spend no time praying for anybody else but you and your family? Is anybody ever guilty of that? I can't get away with that because I got an extended family. I had to have to pray for a whole bunch of other people. But across my life, we have been guilty of that, that this shows his character. And it also shows that sometimes when we praying, God is not an order taker. The king of kings is not Burger King. And we need to know the difference. I think I'll say that again. The king of kings is not Burger King. And we need to know the difference. You cannot always have it your way. You know? He's sovereign and he does whatever he wants. Why well, I don't understand why this is happening to me. He doesn't ask that we understand. He asks that we obey. Why? Because he's God. Job said, "Why is all this stuff happening to me?" He said, "You want to have a talk about it, Job? You want to know why all this stuff is happening for you?" And he starts to answer. He could say, "Because I'm God and that's what I want to." But he starts. to said, "Job, where were you when I hung?" Hung the stars and the moon and the sun and the sky. Amen. Well, Lord, I don't call being around when you did that. Where, where were you when I called the four winds from the corner? Well, Lord, I, I don't call being around then. You know what that means? Don't ask me no more questions. It's one thing to ask God questions, it's another thing to question God. It's one thing to say, Lord, I don't understand what I'm going through. I feel this type of way. Can you help me to understand it? But it's another thing to question God. Do you know a lot of people leave church and other things and they're angry with God because they falsely assume that God took my loved one. I can't be, I gotta be mad at God because he let my loved one die. Not knowing that the wages of sin is death. And instead of asking God questions, saying, Lord, I don't understand, I'm finite. My mind is not like yours. Your ways are higher than mine than the heavens are for the earth, help me to understand. And if you don't want to help me to understand, at least help me to be able to cope and make it knowing that you're sovereign. And sometimes I won't understand your divine will, but I know it by and by. It wasn't until this time that Joseph has put two and two together, that he spent over 20 years asking himself night after night, why did I get put in the pit? Why did I get accused of rape? Why did these things happen to me? Why did they leave me in the pit? For 20 years, he's answering these questions, asking these questions, and God never says a word. Matter of fact, he he, he gives up on God, wanting them to say, you know why? He named his son Manasseh, he said, the Lord has called me to forget." He said, I've given up on ever figuring out why this happened to me. And now all of a sudden, when he sees his family, he realizes, God, now I see it. Have you ever done that? When you were young, your mom would tell you not to do something, or you couldn't see what was happening in your life. Now you look at where you're sitting right now and you said it took me forever and I was frustrated and I fought your will forever God but now I see why you have me where you have me. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That was it. There have been times when I'm yelling at my kids. Now, I mean talking. No, I'm yelling. I'll be honest. I, when, I'm, when I'm upset, I usually don't yell. But when I get upset and I say something and I say, I sound just like my mother. And then I realize something. They're doing to me the same thing. Oh, wow. So now that I'm in this situation, I understand. Because I'm looking at it from a different perspective perspective. Everybody said perspective matters. (laughs) See now David, first he just had a dream. That's all he had. He had a dream. He only had one perspective, but now he knows fully. Some things you won't ever know until you get to heaven. Paul says we know in part we prophesy in part, but one day we will know and be fully known some things God's not going to give you the answer to and he has the right. He doesn't have to answer your question. That's what faith is for. Some things we have to just trust. Sometimes I tell my kids some things and they don't understand why I say it. And guess what? You just have to know that I can see. My kids and I were doing swimming lessons. I was telling them to stay from a certain part of the pool. And they were mad at me because I told them, y'all got to stay over here or you're not coming back with me. Why? Because they were floating like this and they could not see what I was looking at. And they had lived long enough to see the potential dangers that I've seen, I've seen and things happen. So to me, to them, it seemed unfair. But when they get older and they're giving their kids swimming lessons and they see this, they'll remember that. They'll see that perspective. And sometimes we have to realize that God's perspective is higher than ours. And you would beat your head against the wall trying to always figure out why God did something. Sometimes you got to do like the old song said, thank you, Holy Spirit. By and bye When the morning comes, when all the saints of God are gathered home, then we'll tell the story of how we overcome and we'll understand it better by and by. We've got to be able to trust God. And we see these things. I'm used up almost all my time, but we can have way through that. But I didn't have to miss questions. But can you sense the healing that is happening in Joseph's life? Verse eight. Let's read verse eight. I want to start there. I know we're ready, but it's a good place to start. What did it say? So it was not you who sent me here, but God, he has made me a father to Pharaoh, a lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry up and go to my father and say to him, thus says your son, Joseph, God has made me lord of all of Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children and your flocks, your herds and all that you have there. I will provide for you for there are yet five years of famine to come. Everybody said the worst isn't over yet. Sometimes God doesn't erase the pain in your life. Sometimes God protects you in the midst of it. He puts you in a position to where you can take it. He may not take the recession away, but he'll he'll cover you with his wings like the Bible says. As, a, as the eagle stirs her nest, he'll cover you like a hen beneath his wing. He'll give you cover. Somebody said, thank God for covering. Oh, Jesus, verse 11, there I will provide for you for there are yet five years of famine to come so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. And now your eyes see and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. Remember he was using an interpreter, but now he's speaking to them in his native tongue. He doesn't need an interpreter in between the jig is up. He said, I want you to see my mouth. I'm speaking to you. You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt and of all that you have seen hurry and bring my father down here then he fell upon his brother Benjamin Benjamin's neck and wept and Benjamin wept upon his neck and he kissed all his brothers and wept upon him after his brothers had talked to him now I can imagine when he's hugging his brothers after he hugged them and kissed them they probably still looking for the blood back there just to see if they stabbed him a little bit but this is an amazing story of redemption and forgiveness in God's Provision through adversity, and God can use adverse situations to build us. Sometimes when we get weak in the body of Christ, thank you, Holy Spirit, it's because Christians have gotten too comfortable. The church flourishes its most under persecution and adversity. Woe unto those that are at ease in Zion. I'm not looking for bad things to happen. I'm not looking for persecution to happen, but the truth still remains. Everybody comfort? Kills. Let's keep going. Verse 16. When the report was heard in Pharaoh's house, Joseph's brothers has come. It pleased Pharaoh and his servants. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, say to your brothers, do this. Wow. Watch this blessing right here. Anybody who, who looking for a blessing that they don't deserve, you, you might want to pray for this right here. See what Pharaoh says. Say to your brothers, do this, load your beasts and go back to the land of Canaan and take your father and your households and come to me. And I will give you not some, but the best of the land of Oh Jesus. And you shall eat of the fat of the land, the best portions. portions. And you, Joseph, are commanded to say, do this. Take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives and bring your father and come. Have no concern for your goods for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. somebody say, I'm blessed by association. Blessed by association. <laughs> they threw him in prison, but just because they related to them, just because he's their brother. They get chariots and, and wagons from Egypt. That's the, that's, the, uh, that's the equivalent of somebody saying, I'm gonna uh, charter a Boeing 7747 and I'm fixing to send it down to the hood to get all your family and, and, and bring them, Victor. Uh, what, what was the old song? Uh, started from the bottom, now we're here. That's where we at. Somebody will somebody catch that. Some of the hip hop people will catch that later. But that, that's it, that he's about to bless them. And I want you to watch this, that they're blessed because he's their brother. Why is that so special, Pastor? (laughs) Because we're brothers, we're blessed because of our elder brother Jesus, (laughs) hallelujah. We are seated with him in what? Heavenly places. And the Bible says that if we by faith are Abraham's seed, then we're heirs according to the what? promise i'm blessed by association <laughs> so guess what just like abraham was blessed i'm blessed that doesn't mean everything gonna happen to me good but i'm blessed in the city <laughs> i'm already blessed in the field i'm blessed when i come and i'm blessed when i go and everywhere the soul of my foot shall try shall be blessed in jesus name and you know what i'm so blessed that even when i lose i win because all the things that happen to me everything works together for the good of them that love god and are called according to his purpose somebody ought to give god out of praise right there. Somebody ought to give God a shout right there. That God is working things out for your good. I can't see why I lost my job. Because he's working it out for your good. I can't see why they left my life. Because he's working it out for your good. I can't see why I had to do the perk walk with my hands held behind my back. Because this may be a dark season in your life, but guess what? He's working it out for your good. All things come together. He's working it out for you good, do I don't see why I had to lose this or that. I don't see why why I had to have a miscarriage. I don't see why I had to lose a child. I don't see why I had to lose a child early and I'm still living and my children are, are gone. And the, but there's a saying that says that in, in peacetime fa- the sons bury their fathers but in wartime fathers bury their son. But there's some people that have to deal with it. It's peacetime and I still have to bury my children. I don't see why I'm here and they're gone and I would want to take their pay but guess what? He's still God and he's still working it out and even in the midst of your pain, even in the midst of your trouble, he can rock you and hold you. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high God shall abide under the shadow of the almighty God. I want you to know even in the darkest parts of your life, he's still God. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death it's only a shadow, I will not fear. Why? Because God, thou are with me. <laughs> and now why in staff. They comfort me. And not only that, you didn't take away my enemies. You just prepared a table for me so they could watch me use the blessings that you have for me. Amen. Amen. Holy Holy Lord. God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we serve a good God. We serve a powerful God. Yes, you may be down today, but you won't always be down. That's it. That's it. Yes, Lord. Even when I'm down, he's there with me. Where can I go from your presence? David said, if I make my bed in hell, you're still there. I want to tell you that there is no place where you can go that you no mistake that you can make. You can be in any low place you want. But guess what? I heard the saying say, rock bottom doesn't matter to God because God made the rock. And he's right there with you wherever. You go, you don't know understand. I wrecked my life and I have to start all the way back over. So, guess what? You plus God equals the majority. Start over with your head held high. Not in the, your confidence, but in confidence that he that began a good work in you so is he able to complete it. Amen. Amen. God was using my life, Pastor. I, I, I went away and I did drugs. I went away and I did everything I was bad and bad enough to do. Whoever's hearing me online, God is, He was using my life and I went to alcohol. God was using my life and I went to sex. God was using my life and I went to adultery or pornography. It doesn't matter where you've been. God can clean you up because I hear David saying, though my sins be as scarlet, thou will make me right. That's yes, you no. Know. God has an overarching purpose. And he will complete his purpose irregardless of the mistakes we make. He's so wise that he's just like the best chess player in the world. And the reason he's like that is because he anticipates. He anticipates our move. There's a famous painting It's a painting of of good and evil playing chess. And from a chess player, you look at it, and what's so confounding about the picture, it looks like evil has won because evil has checkmate. But if you know anything about chess and you watch the board closely, although it looks like it's over, when you really pay attention to the board, the person, the good person still has one more move. <laughs> I want you to know that it might seem like it's over for you, but God has still one more move that he's about to do in your life. Jesus. You might have to go to rehab, but God has one more move. You might have to rebuild your credit, but God has one more move. You might have to change your life drastically to walk in what God is calling you for. You may be 10 or 15 years behind. You have made what wasted 20 years of your life out in the world. But whatever the case, God still has one move. If you're willing to allow him to move you on the board. Yes. Praise God Jesus. I didn't mean to get loud. I'd rather be dignified, but at the same time, the Spirit of God wants to earnestly get through to somebody. That it's not over for you. That's it. It's passionate. I'm loud. I'm passionate. Why? Because I believe this right here. This isn't a habit. This isn't a habit. I believe that every word in the Word of God is true. From Genesis yeah, to de- Revelation, every jot or tittle is true. Why is that exciting? Because I believe the principles in it. And if the principles work for somebody else, the principles still work for me. Yeah, yeah. Amen. All of Egypt is yours. Verse 21, the sons of Israel did so. And Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh and gave them provisions for the journey teach and all of them he gave a change of clothes but to Benjamin he gave 300 shekels of silver and five changes of clothes to his father you notice this time they didn't say anything about it though to his father he sent his follows 10 donkeys loaded with the good things of Egypt and 10 female donkeys loaded with grain bread and provision for his father on the journey then he sent his brothers away and as they departed he said to them do not quarrel on the way So they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their father, Jacob, and they told him, Joseph is still alive and he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. And I could imagine his father saying, man, quit lying to me. Y'all lie all the time. (laughs) And his heart became numb, for he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said to him, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive, and I will go and see him before I die. there's somebody listening to me right now I don't know if you're in this room or if you're online you've resided in your heart that that's all there is for me life has dealt me a fatal blow and I'm just going to sit here I'll never go back to college I'll never get my trade or degree this is all I'm going to get in life and this is all I deserve I want you to have faith Yes, because Jacob is essentially saying for 22 years, I counted seeing and holding the thing that I held most precious is dead. And just because it wasn't in my reach didn't mean it didn't exist. It meant that God was preparing him. To be the blessing to me that he needed to be for me. Some of us get mad about opportunities that don't come to us. And we feel like our life is over with. But guess what? God is speaking to somebody prophetically today and saying, you will see it before you die. Jesus. you giving up on seeing it. But don't give up yet. God's going to let you see it. Question A. How does this challenge our subliminal thought that God will only allow good things to happen to us? That's why some of us are weak in our faith and our Christianity, because we are under the false assumption that God will only allow good things to happen to us. He doesn't cause bad things to happen to us, but sometimes some things happen to us that are less than desirable, that break God's heart. I remember an old poem that said, God, where were you when I lost my son? Where were you when my son died? And God replied, the same place I was when mine died. There are some things that happen in the earth that, that break the heart of God. But they will not overcome the will of God. How do we reconcile the goodness of God and the evil things that happen to us in the world that we have to trust and know this one f- immutable fact that God, everybody repeat it with me. God, God. is Good. Good. Say it again. God God is is good. good. Say it like you mean it this time. Get loud like me. God God is is good. good. If I was back home, I said God is good. And God is good. Oh, y'all been to y'all y'all been to a church down south before. I see. God is good all the time and all the time God <laughs> is good mm-hmm. Yeah one of us will say you know what God is good and one always replies all the time Our spirits have to lift and know Sometimes, that's it, I have to declare God is good when I'm not good. <laughs> exactly. not good have you ever been like that? Where things aren't going good in your life and you're not happy about them, you're not okay about them. They say, how you doing? You say, I'm blessed and highly favored. But you're really on the inside saying I'm mad and extra salty. That's what I am. <laughs> but he's still good, even when I'm not good. And I have to remind myself, the benefits of Egypt, that the Israelites would have a place now to grow and become a nation. God's putting them in a space where they can be incubated and grow into the nation. He's calling them to be. There's going to be some trouble and slavery that comes to them, but he's still working through those trials. The Israelites would be out of the influence of the Canaanite people that God does not want them to mix with. And also God would allow them to be in a hard situation. But even in this hard situation, since we're not going to exit this next, does anybody know what they left Egypt with? Does anybody know? Uh, They left with everything. When God got through with them, although they went through 400 years of hardness and oppression, They wanted them gone so bad that they gave them all the wealth, said, take it and don't come back. God gave them the wealth. God is putting them in a position for their wealthy place. But their wealthy place will not come without adversity. Do not think just because I'm shouting and I'm saying good things and and I I do believe God's going to bless you. But don't be fooled to think that it's all going to be easy. That's it. That's it. But God is good, and all the time, God is good. If you're in the chat, write that down. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Somebody needs to write that on the wall when they go home. God is good even when I'm not good. Jesus. Oh God, I thank you for your people. I thank you for your blessings. And I pray that this word will get down deep rooted into the depths of our soul. Mm -hmm. That it not be just dry words on a podcast or on a page or in a church, but that, Lord God, your word, the Bible says, is living and active. And I pray that it helps those that need help wherever they need to, to encourage their heart, to endure hardness like a good soldier, to not give up, to have the strength and the encouragement to keep going even when it looks like all things are working against them but let them know that all things work together for the good of those that love god and that you will use adversity for your ultimate purpose and for your ultimate glory and god may we be satisfied with you using us for your purpose and your will your will above ours. Your purpose above ours. Oh God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we'll be able to give you the praise. And I pray right now, if somebody does not know you in the pardon of your sins, they will come to you right now in the name of Jesus. And I will give you praise and give their lives to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody clap your hands and give God <laughs> praise.